My name is Greg Grant, and I'm the pastor of First Christian Church in Carmi, Illinois. And I pray wherever you are right now that you are safe. We've been told to shelter in place when tempted to congregate, and we comply because love compels us. The best way for us to love our neighbors is for now to just stay home, limit face-to-face contact. But that's not the only way we can love our neighbors. Just because we limit our interaction with others does not limit our opportunities to love others. If anything, we have more and new opportunities to demonstrate the love of Jesus now more than ever. These are unprecedented times. We are dealing with difficult days. We are facing defining moments and defining moments. That's what we're calling this sermon series leading up to Easter. In the last week of Jesus' life, as He drew near the cross, various people faced defining moments as they encountered Jesus. Some of those defining moments were positive. Some were negative. Like Lazarus, he was blessed. Judas, he was selfish. Peter was afraid. In this message, we're going to look at Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea. Let's go to John chapter 18 and 19. Let's take a look at a day in the life of Pilate. We know Pilate as a villain, a lily-livered Roman authority who did a dastardly deed, a faint-hearted frady cat who chose self-preservation in his defining moment with Jesus. Now, Pilate was no friend of Jesus, If anything, I would categorize him as an enemy of Jesus. But what really disturbs me about Pilate is how much I have in common with him. I think the question we need to answer today is this. What happens when we do not keep our human instinct for self-preservation in check? We are in the midst of an international pandemic. And it's right to preserve life. But is it possible that in our effort to preserve life that we lose sight of what Jesus calls us to do? Pilate's defining moment with Jesus shows what can happen when we make self-preservation the goal. So let's go to John chapter 18. Let's look at a day in the life of Pilate. Verse 28. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? Now Pilate was the Roman governor of the region of Judea from AD 26 to 36. And it was a repugnant appointment among the Roman rulers. Judea was a small outpost far from Rome, inhabited by Jewish people who despised Romans and resented their authority. Pilate's job was to keep the peace, which he did with an iron hand. Like the time he paid for an aqueduct system by taking money from the temple treasury. 
Pilate represented everything the Jewish people hated. But in this strange twist of events, the Jewish leaders needed Pilate's help to execute Jesus as quickly and quietly as possible. They wanted Jesus dead, but they did not want to take the blame for killing a popular Jewish rabbi. So they manipulated Pilate to think this was a political crime, not a religious dispute. And reluctantly, Pilate agreed to question Jesus. Now, John describes how Pilate and Jesus sparred back and forth over the accusation that Jesus claimed to be king. So, let's pick it up in verse 37. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus made no bones about it. He basically said, yes, I'm a king, but my kingdom is not from here. My kingdom is not political. My kingdom is ideological. My kingdom is spiritual. My mission is not to lead a political revolt against Rome. It's to lead a spiritual assault against sin. My kingdom is about truth, and my disciples follow my truth. So Pilate jumps in. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a great irony in Pilate's question about truth. The Jewish leaders accused Jesus of a crime because he spoke the truth. Pilate was supposedly seeking the truth before he authorized Jesus' execution. And now centuries later, we read Pilate's question, what is truth? And we know the answer. The truth is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who came to our world in human flesh, who carried out the Father's mission to take humanity's sin upon Himself as the perfect sacrifice. Pilate asked a good question. Too bad it wasn't a great question. That would have been, who is truth? Pilate's defining moment could have been completely different if he had realized who Jesus is, the truth. Instead, he left the question hanging and returned to the waiting Jewish authorities. Pilate knew that Jesus was guilty of no crime and posed no threat to Rome. Pilate made, in fact, four attempts to release Jesus. We already saw one in 1831 when the Jewish authorities showed up with Jesus. He wanted them to deal with it themselves. Then in 1839, he offered to release any Jewish prisoner in honor of the Passover. Maybe you know that answer. Verse 40, they shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. He had uh, Jesus brutally flogged. Brought Jesus out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Basically, he said, isn't this enough punishment? We get over into chapter 19 and it says, as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, 
Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, We have a law, and according to that law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. Wow. Now Pilate is scared. He knew enough about Jewish history to know not to mess with God. So we go on in verse 11, or verses 9 through 11, where it says, Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Pilate only thought he had authority. Jesus' life was not taken from him. Jesus laid down his life. And for that matter, Jesus was not the one on trial that day. Pilate was. Verse 12. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. Pilate made one last attempt to set Jesus free. So in verse 14, it was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour, that would have been noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, Take him away! Take him away! Crucify him! Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. <laughs> what a bizarre day. Jews were ready to riot for one of their own to get crucified by a Roman who wanted to set him free. Pilate knew the right thing to do, but he chose to do wrong. Pilate was a coward in his defining moment with Jesus. And do you know why? It's because nothing mattered more to Pilate than self-preservation. When it came right down to it, Pilate chose to preserve his personal career over justice for the King of Heaven. Now I get it. Self-preservation is not all bad. God created us with a will to live. And Jesus came to give us life, to set us free, to enjoy Him both now and forevermore. But... But Jesus did not come to preserve His life. He came to lay down His life. Remember what He said in John 10? The reason my Father loves me is not that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And as Jesus' followers... He calls us to do the same. Very famous words of Jesus, Luke chapter 9. 
Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Jesus came to give us life. And He said the best life is not preserving it. The best life is surrendering it to Jesus. Even in the midst of an international pandemic, our goal is not self-preservation. As strong as the human instinct for self-preservation is, our calling is self-denial. We've been told to shelter when tempted to congregate. And love compels us to obey. But let us also stay true to our calling, even with limited contact. Share when tempted to hoard. Connect when tempted to withdraw. Serve when tempted to sit. Pray when tempted to worry. Trust when tempted to doubt. Proclaim when tempted to hush. Encourage when tempted to complain. Forgive when tempted to blame. And and stand when tempted to fall. Jesus calls us not to a life of self-preservation, but to a life of self-denial.